And welcome everyone to week 10 of the Left Coasters podcast. My name is Tony Cavallo. As always, I'm with Matt D'Angelo-Antonio and Brian Balzarini, and we are here to break down the week ahead and the week that just happened in the NFL. We're midway through the season, fellas. It's sadly, guys, we're, we're closer, to, midway through yeah, the we're season. closer to the end than it's we are at the sad. beginning. We might sooner or later it be departing like, this show. It feels like just yesterday we were trying to figure out how in the hell to record this yeah, and right? where in the hell to record this and, and how we were going to put it all together in a short amount of time and actually make a podcast out of it. And that was the beginning of the NFL season. And yeah. now here we are at week nine trying to make our way through this circus of an NFL season. It has been Is there any other way to describe it really? It has no. really been something that I, I've never been used to. Like I have not I've been watching the NFL for a long, long time and I don't remember a season like this where other than the Patriots, there's really not that upper echelon of good teams, but there's a lot of teams that are still scratching and clawing. And I can't remember that I can't remember a year where the divisions were this tight. Exactly. When you look at the AFC West and the NFC East, it's pretty it's pretty intense and it for being that we are now picking teams to win and lose week in and week out, it, it, there's a bit more intensity behind it, uh, and it's and it's getting interesting. We're going to get into that a little bit later on. Talk about a couple of the divisions that we th- you know think are really we know are really tight, and that uh, are are going to you know come down to the wire that we think we'll hear picks from each of us on who we think is going to win those divisions. Um, as we mentioned last week, Tony was at the Rams game this week there. in the Coliseum with a bunch of our uh, our other friends uh, from the area to take in the Panthers Rams game. So we'll hear his account of the game and yes, uh, you will. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about how how loudly he screamed we want golf plus we've got uh, gravestones and of course our week uh week 10 picks for the nfl coming at you so i think it's going to be a good one there's a lot to a uh, lot to go through in the in the nfl this week game that was really fun to watch i think this weekend was the lions vikings game unbelievable um, game. and just a, a, unbelievable a game. hell of a finish golden tate with some incredibly fancy footwork along the sideline on that touchdown pass and matt prater nailing a 50 yarder that would have been good from 65 I think I think my biggest takeaway from that is don't underestimate Matthew Stafford because there are few there I think I would say there's only one guy maybe two in the NFL who are as good at engineering fourth quarter comebacks as Matt Stafford and every that's game Tom, and that's Tom Brady and possibly Aaron Rodgers that's exactly true, and that's why we're going to break down three divisions right now that are uh, that have three teams within a game of each other for the lead, and we're going to stay right here in the NFC North. And another tidbit on the Lions: this is crazy. This this one amazed me. The Lions are five and four right now. Okay, they're a half game out of the divisional lead. So we have the Vikings at five and three, the Lions at five and four, and my lowly Packers at four and four after losing a terrible, terrible, t- terrible, terrible, terrible game to the Indianapolis Colts. But the Lions, five and four, all five of their wins, they have been trailing with 90 seconds left in the game. Every single game they've won, they've been losing, not even just tied. If we don't make this, we tie the game. Flat out overtime. losing. Flat out losing with 90 seconds left, and they've come back to win the game. So you have now the Minnesota Vikings who are free-falling, the one of the worst three-game streaks. They don't look like they can beat anybody right now. The Lions, who are 5-4 and four and have lost to a team like the Chicago Bears. And the Packers, who are 4-4, four and four, who can't beat Indy at home. And just came out on the field with no drive whatsoever. One of these guys, one of these teams, has to make the playoffs by winning this division. I don't think a wild card comes out of this division based on the other teams in the NFC. But guys, as it stands right now, who's going to win this division? Who? 
it's hard. It, it really is hard because when you look at how bad Minnesota is doing right now, there is no phase of their game that that is coming through right now. Their their game their run game is gone. Their passing offense is non-existent. They their offensive line is is terrible, and their defense isn't holding up four quarters. Four quarters, huge. Four quarters with the Detroit Lions. It's fascinating is they have no defense, nothing whatsoever. They yeah. have no defense, yeah. but somehow they're sticking in just enough, just enough for three and a half quarters. So, do you think they pull it off? Do you think they win this division? I don't. I I don't think they win the division because I. I think that defense is a big, big, big liability. The one thing with the Green Bay Packers is their isolation routes aren't proving to be effective consistently enough without that run game. So McCarthy has to do something different, and we'll see what he can do different. But I have I have faith with Aaron Rodgers, you have the capability of doing that, and with their defense. So I think the Green Bay Packers, with their with their favorable uh, uh, schedule will be able to come out. Dangles, where you stand on this, buddy? It's hard for me to disagree with you, Brian, um, for a couple of reasons. I do think the Detroit Lions defense is incredibly suspect and and is going to is going to cause problems for them down the road. I mean, they just don't have they just don't have anybody who can take over a game defensively. They have a couple guys out there like Glover Quinn who has flashes of brilliance and Ziggy Ansah can get some push on the defensive line occasionally, but you know, other other than that, there's just nobody who can take over the game for them. So so there's that I just don't see in the Detroit Lions. The, the Minnesota Vikings, I just can't tell you how disappointed I was watching them and seeing oh, how many God. missed opportunities they had. I mean, let's you know, let's talk about and this is something I was I was reading reading this earlier and it just it blew my and blew me away so uh chad greenway intercepts a pass and during this game sets the sets the minnesota vikings up uh at the 18 yard line terrible mm-hmm. they go backwards terrible. 22 yards yeah. and end up having to punt and here's a little fun fact about that the last time that that happened in the nfl where a team started in the red zone and ended up having to punt on the drive it was in 2011 the then St. Louis Rams, and who should have been at quarterback that day? Let's think. But Sam Bradford. We know it wasn't the Jared same Goff. guy five years ago. And that's two. Pe- by the way, that drive it was two penalties and a, bad a sack. negative, a negative run uh, play, and a bad, bad, terrible sack. sack. Four plays that were awful. I mean, the Minnesota Vikings offense was not explosive before Norv Turner sort of unexpectedly just up and quit, quit. the yeah, team. Quit the Very odd. And they definitely don't look like they have their act together anymore now. I mean, so you're so missed- you're sitting there and you're going with Green Bay Packers as well to win this division. I am because I think if there's one thing we've learned from this season and I think the uh, for example the Atlanta Falcons are a great uh, uh, example of it is if you can put points on the board you're going to win games even if your defense is suspect and I think out of all the teams in the, in the division the Packers have the tools to put points on the board if the offense is executing and if McCarthy's play calling we're a little bit better. A little bit. Okay, okay, I'm being kind. Here's but- the thing. Uh, uh, you guys both put Green Bay in there, and I think you guys are still blinded by the fact that Aaron Rodgers is a former MVP and Green Bay is used to putting up 10, 11, 12 win seasons. Uh, they're not the team this year. They're not the team to win this year, and they're not going to win this division because against the Indianapolis Colts, and I understand that they were down most of this game, but against the Indianapolis Colts, they called a run play on 13 plays. They called a pass play 49 times. You cannot win football games. I don't care if you have a receiver running the ball. You cannot win football games without balancing your offense. If they know you're going to pass, doesn't matter how cool your spread formations are, you can't win the game. Green Bay can't score points. Minnesota can't score points. Detroit can score on anybody. 
And that's why I think, and I'm surprised, Brian, you're not standing stronger on this. I honestly think Detroit wins this division. One for 21 for against teams that have a winning record on the road. That's what I'm looking at. I'm not looking at a consistent track record like I see with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. You can talk about how McCarthy isn't pulling his weight this year as a play caller, but I, I see the pieces there for Green Bay to do something more than I see Detroit, who has a has zero, count it, zero uh, uh, defense. Yeah. Zero I, I defense. Think, I think the Packers Not have to zero mention, offense. Really, and as we saw, I mean, the only... What are you talking the, about? They scored They scored 27. Against they, Indy, one of the worst team, one of the worst defensive sure, teams in the league. Sure, but they haven't been, they haven't been, they haven't been void of offense. It's, it's been, it's been a Much different than void of Golden Tate is a good wide receiver too. He's not a guy you can count on on an every game basis for explosive playability. And the only time we've seen that out of the Lions offense this year is when Matt Stafford and Marvin Jones have been on the same page. Mm -hmm. And that was absolutely not the case. And how many times are they going to win in the fourth quarter? When is that going to bust? You can't keep keep that up. It's it's law of averages essentially says they're going to lose eventually. There are a few bad plays away from being the Cleveland Browns. I don't disagree, but that's but that's the again that's the that's the line that they're they're dancing on, and I don't think the Green Bay Packers have that. Between that and the fact that the Minnesota Vikings offense just cannot put points on the board, and and Sam Bradford can't execute in the red zone, that that just leaves me with. And here's here's one other thing. I wanted to bring up that's really, really troubling. You want to know who's leading of the four NFC North teams? You want to know who leads them all in terms of yards per game? The Chicago Bears. Yeah, have the they're, most yards per game with 355. They're coming from behind in every game they're in. And I, I still don't think Jay much. Cutler. Sorry to everybody who thinks otherwise, but Jay Cutler still is not the guy that's no, going to do No, he's it. not. He uh, enough enough talking about the NFC North. I'm just getting more and more angry. But the fact that we're not talking about Minnesota winning this division after they were the Says only undefeated team left does say a lot. Let's move on to the AFC because we have two divisions in the AFC that are very very tight. One is the AFC North, where none of these teams are going to be probably winning the Super Bowl, but one of them is getting into the playoffs. And right now we have the Baltimore Ravens at 4-4, four and four, leading the division over the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are also 4-4. Four and four. Baltimore, thanks to last week, own the, owns the tiebreaker. Cincinnati Bengals are 3-4-1. and one. That tie is not, as I said before, that tie is not looking good, but they're in striking distance and have a game, a winnable game this week. So you have Baltimore 4-4, four and four, Pittsburgh 4-4, four and four, Cincinnati 3-4-1, Dangles. Let's go to you first, buddy. Who wins the AFC North? I don't. I'm glad I, you got this first. I'm glad. I, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I got this first as well. This this is really difficult um, because I don't like any one of these teams Neither to win I. this. I don't like any one of these teams to win this, and I know that's basically just me sitting here and stalling. But you got to vote but for somebody. I have to vote for somebody, and you have to cast a ballot. And it's hard for me I, if the Bengals had not tied. In Washington, right? oh yeah, right. I would say that they're the team because the bye would have done them a world of good. They'll get themselves on track. They're, sixth, they're sixth in the NFL in terms of yards per game right and that now. The tie hurts, though. The tie hurts big time. For that reason, I think I have to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers at the end of the day. I think Ben Roethlisberger is a tried and true, tested quarterback. Um, I mean, uh, uh, putting aside the just horrendous 45 to 50 minutes of football that we watched for the he first part of early. that game. It I was, mean, he two did. weeks after a torn meniscus, he just wasn't himself. He like, wasn't. And it cost them the game. I know we look at the Pittsburgh Steelers game last week and kind of go, whoa, what's going on? I mean, they, they have a three-game losing streak right now. Can they stop the bleeding is the question. And I think the answer is yes, because Ben Roethlisberger's done this before. They, 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 they often, like the New York Giants, have a mid-level you know, slump at some point throughout the season, and they come back. 
And so they've got a chance, I think. They do. They, they have a chance. So I, I'm throwing my lot in with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sadly, I, I'm not going to make this very interesting because I think Pittsburgh is a better team. I don't believe in Baltimore, and I don't believe in Cincinnati. You shouldn't Joe believe Flacco in Baltimore. Joe Flacco did not look he makes, good again. Well, he makes poor yeah. decisions. He just continues to make bad decisions. I think the one bright spot for that team is their run defense up the middle. Terrell Suggs, Tim Jernigan, uh, they're very solid up the middle. C.J. Mosley is an excellent linebacker. Yeah, but other I than that, I mean, their their secondary is weak, and their offense is just it's it's just not there. All right, let's move on to the next division. And now the other two divisions are fighting for playoff spots. They're most likely going to be a four seed in their in their conferences, and they're going to have to host a really good wild card team. This division, however, is fighting not only for the divisional lead, but most likely for the one of those by teams, and also could get home field advantage should the Patriots start to stumble. In the AFC West, we have Oakland at seven and two. We have Kansas City at six and two, and the Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos at six and three. Now we talked about the NFC East a couple weeks back, and we said what their schedule, what their record was against opponents not in their division. So the AFC West is seventeen and six against all other opponents. That's impressive. Seventeen and six, and that includes San Diego. 17 and 6 against all other opponents. So again, Oakland, Kansas City, defending champion Denver Broncos. All these teams are likely, I mean, they could all three make the playoffs, but the question is, who wins that division? Who gets the bye? Who gets the easiest shot at making the AFC Championship game? Brad guy. I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. Really? I am. I absolutely am because I, I think Oakland's a very good team. Yeah. I think they're a, a stellar team and they play well when when they have when they have momentum on their side and they currently have momentum. But I do think the the Oakland Raiders are a young team still. And they and yeah, definitely are they, are, a they young team. are they a team destined for greatness? I think they are. But I still have faith in the Denver Broncos because they've been there and they've done that. They're able to pick up pick themselves up after this week probably better than any team in the league right now because they're not playing poorly. Trevor Simeon had a good game. He did. He played really well. He and did play really well. And they and they lost a spirited game. Yeah. I, I think they I think if this game shows them anything, it's that they actually do have some deficiencies that they need to t- that to shore up if and they, they want they need to find a running back. I mean, Devontae Book is good, but he's not the running back that they've been hoping for. I agree 100%, but I'll still say that their defense is still stellar. Yeah, they are. Stellar. Yes, and, they are. And I know Oakland put 30, 30 up on them, but I also think, again, I think Oakland at home this week proved that they're they're not just a, a young team that's going to you know fade out and, and, and not compete at, by the end of the season. I, th- I honestly think you're, this is literally a coin toss-up between Denver and Oakland. It could be, but you know love for uh, the Kool-Aid man down in Kansas City who has no. proven that his team with a good defense can win games. With I, that running t- game, can win games. The stat is that of the last 18 games, Kansas City is 16-2. and two. Yeah. Yeah, sixteen and like two. Like that's that. No lion. No, Kansas City's coming to play. No joke. They're a really good team, but they still have to play Atlanta. Yeah, they still they still got to play Denver um, at least once, or excuse me, twice. They got to play Denver twice. Yeah, and they got to play at San Diego. So I, I just see the Kansas City Chiefs because and and let's keep in mind too. Um, what's his face? Um, um, Foles. Foles didn't have a great game, so they got to have Alex Smith come back and take the reins. Again, and and, and they, they ha- should have Spencer Ware come back too. I, just, I think Kansas City's good, but Dangles, we got again. Yeah, these I, three teams. Man. I just don't see the offensive depth there for the Kansas City Chiefs, especially but this is the thing, with like Kansas City is known, and Andy Reid is known for that Campbell's chunky soup offense. He's not going to burn you down the field. He doesn't have the Gronkowski playmaker. He just beats you by not making mistakes and matriculating down the field and keeping you in a low-scoring game with the defense. Like it's proven right, so which far. is great. I just don't think it's enough to be a play. You make you a playoff team and being in this year team. in the NFL. 
style. He's not because he's not going to hang. You need to be able to, at will, hang 35 points on a team in this league to be able to win. If you don't do that, you're not going to win football games. It's just that simple. And I think we've seen it time and time again. Look at the Minnesota Vikings. They can't put more than, I mean, I don't know what they're averaging right now. I don't have it. I don't have the stat in front of me. Last three games haven't been good. I mean, last three games can't be more than 10, 15 points a game. It's just, you can't win if you don't put points on the board in this league. So you're kicking out Kansas City. I am kicking out Kansas City. I'm actually going to go the opposite direction and go out on a limb here. And I think that the Oakland Raiders are a team. I don't think it's a limb. I don't don't think I don't think, I don't think that they are, that they're that out of the, out of the question at all. I think Khalil Mack is finally getting into his place in that, in that front seven. Um, And they've even converted him to a defense, in being converted to a defensive lineman from the linebacker position this year. I think he's, he's, he's really done a good job at, at, at sort of absorbing that end position and really giving uh, quarterbacks trouble. He pressured Trevor Simeon all night uh, uh, this past week. And Derek Carr is only going to get better. Absolutely. He's got one of the best young receivers in the NFL in uh, in Amari Cooper. He's got a very talented young man in, uh, by the name of Seth Roberts who doesn't get half the I credit know. he deserves he for player. making the catch the catches that he receiver. does. I mean, and Latavius Murray has scored, I think he had two touchdowns last week, and he had three more this week. So Oakland can score. this is a high-powered offense. And, I mean, hey, if, if your punter is pinning people back regularly in the five and the two-yard line, hopefully you don't have to use them that much. But this is a team that's just clicking on all cylinders right now. The thing, and they have a very simple schedule to get out of the way. Yes, uh, they, they, do. they, they don't They don't play anyone. And Denver still has to play New England. The thing that scares me about Oakland, though, and the reason why I'm not picking them to win this division is because they still play teams like Tampa Bay and almost lose to them. Yes, they are 7-2, and two, but I would like to know how many games against inferior opponents have been a lot closer than they should be. They've been in a couple of tight ones down the road, and they're undefeated on the road. Speaking of 5-0, and oh, that's amazing. But that also means they're 2-2 two and two at home. And they dropped an egg against Kansas City. Yeah, you got, you're going to need to be able to win games at home in tight spaces, and this is a very young team, and I think Derek Carr is amazing. But I don't know if he's going to be able to continue what he's doing when it comes down to crunch time. He surprised me against Denver. I'm probably going to go with Kansas City. And that's because, whoa. yeah, and I, I hated Kansas City coming into this that's, year. That's what I'm saying. That's whoa. Bold, yeah. uh, they doesn't matter who's running the ball for them. They can run the ball. doesn't matter who's quarterbacking for them. Their offense is doing what they need to do. And that defense has been stopping almost everybody. They right now have played one less game than Denver, but have a better defense statistically than Denver does right now. They've let up less points. 4-0 at home, 5-2 and in the conference. And they get to play Denver twice. And they get to play Oakland again. They get to control this destiny for them. They also play Atlanta. That's true. At and Atlanta. Atlanta, Atlanta's really good. But again, Denver and Oakland have some tough this games on the horizon be, as well. It's going to be the race. This is going to be a gun be the race for the rest of the year. There's going to be a lot of gunslinging in this division towards the very end. I think I, I'm, it's, I'm probably more excited to watch the ending to, Absolutely. This, to this story than I am for any other division. And I can't the remember the last awesome. time the AFC West was this relevant. I, I, know. Hope, I hope they all make the playoffs because I think right now in the AFC they all deserve to. Um, but now we're going to move on. That was a, a lot of talk for some teams that are going to be in the playoffs for quite some time. But let's now talk about some teams that are not going to be in the playoffs. It's time for the Gravestone, guys. Woo! So Uh-oh. moving on to the Gravestone, <laughs> we've all killed uh, six teams in the Grave Pool, and we've all killed four other teams ourselves. We're sitting here again. So we have Cleveland Browns, San Francisco 49ers, Jacksonville Jaguars, Chicago Bears, New York Jets, and the Miami Dolphins, who are making a run are in our graveyard pool, meaning there's six teams that are, we decided are not making the playoffs. Then we branched off, made each of our picks. Now we get to add one more to the graveyard. Brian, I'm going to come over to you first. The last four weeks, you've killed off Indy, mm-hmm. Carolina, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and Baltimore. 
Uh, Baltimore is now leading that AFC North. Yeah, but. I'm a little nervous about that. But then again, um, you know, we're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Yeah, and we're, it's only going to get tougher as we go along. So, Brad Guy, you have uh, one gravestone to give out this week. Who are you giving it to? Oh, this one's going to be tough, but I am actually going to go with the Arizona Cardinals. There you go. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. They were on the bye week, though. I think Arizona has shown that they've probably been the most disappointing team this year. Uh, yeah, yes. The bar none. 100%. I think we could talk about Carolina, but at least Carolina looks like they got some life. I haven't seen an Ari- the Arizona Cardinals play a good game this year. And that and that's uncall- That's truly uncalled for when you talk about the running game and the passing game that they have and the and the, the pieces they have on defense. Um, I, I honestly think Carson Palmer is, is the is the problem. Uh, yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you. And, and I don't know if there's any good reason to think that Drew Stanton or anybody else on that team can come in and, and, and replace him and do better. No, I think that team needs to find a quarterback. I think they need to find a quarterback. And um, the other team that I was thinking about, and I won't say who they were, they have a quarterback. Yeah. And that was the difference for me. So I'm going to pick the Arizona Cardinals, uh, who currently sit uh, second uh, in the NFC West at 3-4-1. and one. All right. And uh, Dangles, let's go over to you, buddy. Who's that gravestone going to? Well, this was, this was as always, it's only going to get harder for us each yep. week going forward. But for me, actually, I thought it was going to be a tough decision. And then when it hit me, it just seemed like it seemed like it was just it, it was it was right. I'm An giving epiphany. my gravestone this week to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dangles, uh, that was my team. That that was my I'm second sure, team. And I knew that was your other team. <sighs> Look, um, the way things are going in the NFC South right now, Carolina is trending upward. I think so. Is New Orleans? Uh, New Orleans Saints have finally started to figure things out offensively. Mark Ingram, when he holds onto the ball, as we've seen, can run. And now they have a dual-headed attack at running back with Tim Hightower added in there, who is uh, I. By the way, I'm just going to tip my own cap to myself for picking him up in fantasy. I talked about all the other teams and what they do have. What Tampa Bay doesn't have is any sort of um, idea what's going to happen at the running back position. Yeah, and they, they don't have a lot t- of identity. They don't have a lot of identity. Um, Dirk Cutter is is you know is doing a decent job coaching, but they have been decimated, especially on their defensive line by injuries. I just don't think that they have the longevity in that division to pull it off. So Tampa Bay, I'm sorry. I'm giving my gravestone this week to you. Tony, who you got? So there is only one team that has a worse point differential than Tampa Bay's uh, minus 52, and that's the San Fran 49ers at minus 93. I wish, Brian, that you killed Tampa Bay because it would have been a clean sweep. I killed Tampa Bay on Thursday night after they just got demolished by Atlanta. Yes, they scored a lot of points, but come on. That team is not going to make the playoffs the way they're built right now. No and chance. I, I still have L.A. available to me, and I still could have killed L.A. this week. But again, that bolt in the chamber, Jared Goff, still stays alive. And until they lose more games, I'm keeping L.A. alive as long as I can with the hope of a innocent child. But Tampa Bay dies today. You're cute, Tone. Tampa Bay's done. And so uh, to recap, Dangles, you killed off Indy, the Giants, Baltimore, L.A., and Tampa Bay. Giants. Now. I know. I, I'm I'm feeling really. Wow. I'm feeling yeah. a little a little queasy and about Balti, that pick. Balti's leading the division, and uh-huh. I killed off uh, San Diego, Carolina, New Orleans, who was a little worrisome, Arizona, and now Tampa Bay. Uh, and that's our gravestone picks, and that's our week nine recap and now we're going to move on to the take two segment and then into those lovely rams so as always guys ram it 
All right, guys, now we're here for the Take Two segment where one of you guys usually breaks down on the team that you grew up loving. And uh, Dangles and Brian, you both have some interesting factoids for us. Dangles is the Patriots fan. Brian is the Lions fan. We're going to shoot over to Dangles first for a Take Two, buddy. Take it away. Well, you know, I grew up in New Hampshire uh, loving the Patriots. um, And uh, having lived in Jacksonville, Florida, developed a a certain love for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But uh, there is something that uh, most people actually don't know about me. I think only three people on this planet probably know this about me. My mom, my dad. And my aunt Chris, uh, who's my godmother, she uh, she used to live in Dallas, and uh, and she would send me Cowboys gear as a really? kid. How old are you? Oh, I was maybe three, four, or five. This is in the mid '90s with Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith, who was my favorite player of all time, and that's whose gear she'd send me. I have a jersey still of his, an old old white Cowboys jersey um, that's way too big for me. Still is today. <laughs> um, it's like a double XL. It was like what you would wear over your pads. Um, so I, I had that growing up. I had a Troy Aikman ornament for my for the Christmas tree that I, I still, <laughs> when I go home, hang to this day, and I will this year when I go home for Christmas. But yeah, I was a Cowboys fan and. You know, I'm not sure when it changed because and, you know, because I because I'm sure you'll say, oh, well, it was probably when the Patriots started winning Super Bowls. And normally you'd be right. But I remember watching the 96 Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Packers, the Patriots lost and cheering my family and wanting the Patriots to win. So, you know, we were watching the Pats in the household. But but in my formative years, sort of watching football and sort of starting to learn about it. I was rooting for the Cowboys. So it's clear as day that you are a Super Bowl front runner. That's not true at all. <laughs> that's that's not true at all. I don't think. To the exact opposite, the exact opposite of a Super Bowl front runner, Detroit Lions fan Brian. What do you got going on? I'm going to stay two? true to form here. Actually, um, when I was about three, four years old, I remember my dad, a big NFL uh, fan. And this is back in the day. This is the mid to late 80s when, you know, you had maybe one or two channels to watch football on, and that's all you, you had. The rest was coming from the newspaper. But uh, my father uh, happened to be watching the Cincinnati Bengals, I believe, playing the an, an interdivisional rival. Actually, in fact, it may have been the Detroit Lions. I don't even remember because all I remember was the Cincinnati Bengals and Boomer Esiason. <laughs> for me fell in love with the boom i fell in love with the boom because for me i saw his gold locks coming out uh-huh, of his helmet uh-huh. and i don't know what it was but i immediately he did not age well he did not but he, the thing that I triggered into me i remember thinking oh my god because i remember orange was my favorite color yeah. i saw red hair because if anybody hasn't hey, figured Tony out and I, I approve i i've got i've got crazy orange hair so for me seeing men with orange helmets made me feel like oh my god look <laughs> at there's so more funny. of me out there so i went to the i went to the kitchen grabbed a strainer put it on my head and ran around the house and ran into the walls my parents thought it was the cutest <laughs> thing ever but from then on i was in cincinnati Bengals fan and they encouraged it they bought me jerseys they bought me hats i remember going to the stores and nobody in detroit carried cincinnati no, gear no. they weren't relevant especially at back all then, yeah. especially back then it wasn't it wasn't you know blue wasn't, and silver if you could find anything absolutely and if that you maybe had some steelers gear and cowboys gear that packer gear but you certainly didn't have cincinnati Bengals gear so we had to go to some special stores and it was probably up until i was about 14 or 15 people were still buying me Cincinnati Bengals jerseys. I remember wow. Jeff Blake, uh, Carl Pickens. I was a huge, huge... I don't remember huge, Jeff Blake or Carl Pickens, but Carl I'm happy Blake, you did. Yeah, that's a long story. But or Jeff Blake's <laughs> a long story. But the point is, is I, I was a fan for them for so long, mainly because the Detroit Lions weren't relevant. Wow. So that was... that's that They've always had a little special heart, but when they switched their jerseys, 
that was it for me. That changed you? That changed me. When they switched from their old, you know, their very simple jerseys, they just had the simple stripes on the left side yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. near the shoulders and on the pant legs. But when they went to a more like new age hype jersey, it yeah. was over for me. And I had made the switch over because uh, as I got older, I think I just became more of a fan uh, of the local team and it was more socially acceptable. And, and I didn't have anybody to corroborate with. So, you know, and, and they were even more irrelevant That's in the big, 90s. I get that though, because I think you get to, because I, I think I can, you know, I think probably a similar thing happened for me is that you get older and you start to get to school and you know where I grew up everybody the school's a Patriots fan that's what that's who you root for so you you know and you get yeah that's a, that sort of thing so once you start to see your friends getting on yeah. the bandwagon with those teams it's hard especially when they're your hometown team to sort of eschew them and I did it with and as far as like talking to people I bonded with my family my father over the Detroit Lions there was like oh, to, to, to do that was more important than it was for me to enjoy a team because of the colors or because of the you know, the, the logo, which I still think today, I still think today, we can have a nice debate about this maybe in another episode, but I still think the, Detroit, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals have the best helmets in the league. Okay. Well, uh, as it stands, Tony Cavallo is the only true fan on this uh, on this Packer podcast. Fan from yeah, New England. Because, exactly. As I'll sit here and say, it was very hard for me to be a Packer fan in New England when they were winning all those Super Bowls, wearing a Packers jersey on Sunday. I actually lost an election to become vice president of my freshman class because the other kid running took up a picture of the Green Bay Packers and ripped it in half during his speech in front of the auditorium and said do you really want a Packers fan to be your vice president <laughs> so the true fan through that, thick sounds, and a little, that sounds a little Trumpian through, that's just the, good politics the true fan through thick and thin hangs it through and is a Packers fan for the rest of his life and that's our take two segment guys so let's move on to our new favorite team the LA Rams Uh, this weekend, gentlemen, for the Rams, it seemed like a case of same shit, different pile as they <laughs> lose to the uh, Carolina Panthers. 13-10 is your final and Jesus Christ, what a just terrible dumpster fire of an offensive showing. Took them, uh, count it, 52 minutes for them to score their first points of the game. They had eight minutes left in the fourth quarter before they actually got points on the board. Despite the defense, and again, I feel like I keep coming back to this and saying this every week, it must be so frustrating for the Rams' defense to go out there and give the ball continuously back to Case Keenum and give him opportunities to score, and he just just peters it away every single time. They put so much pressure, that Rams defense, on Cam Newton. They hit him a bunch. Aaron Donald had a couple of sacks, and they just still weren't able to get it done. So we're going to go back over the Rams game and hear about a couple of fan experiences as well this weekend. Left Coasters here, Tony Cavallo, Brian Balzarini, I'm Matt D'Angelo Antonio. And uh, Tony, as we mentioned, you were at the Rams game this past weekend. We're going to hear about your experience in a minute. But first, we want to turn to a quick listener email. Brian, but toss it over you here in a minute uh our uh friend and uh who you've heard on the show before alex alche uh was also at the rams game with you this weekend and he emailed us to uh sort of give a, a quick overview of his experience and how can listeners email us Dangle? they can email us at the left coasters podcast at gmail.com that is the left coasters podcast at gmail.com brian this is from Alex. I, it's, I've got to read the entire email. It's just there's so much passion behind it. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll I'm make a little it, nervous. I'll, I'll make it quick, but I think... Can it, I, before, before, before you get into this email, could I read a text exchange that I, I had with Mr. Alche this weekend? Please, I'm sure it's amazing. Uh, so this was at um, 2.16 in the afternoon. He was completely sober at that point. I can verify. 2.16 in the afternoon. So this would have been approximately an hour after kickoff at the Rams game. Uh, I receive a text from Alex Alche that says the following. This stadium is a piece of anus hair. 
And I said, yeah, it's not ideal. And he said, my legs are at my eyes. And I had, I asked him, how high up are you guys? And he said, we have good seats, but I have no more testicles. I give the stadium a C minus. Fuck the Rams in the taint. Food selection, Bush League as well. Well, with that, he follows up with those, he follows up those uh, text messages with a strong, strong email. And it goes as such. I had the distinct privilege, or should I say punishment, of paying $160 to watch the most boring football game in NFL history. The Rams lost to the Panthers 13-10. That's 13-10. I sat behind an end zone that saw little to no action, eight concessions that were equivalent to a Little League stadium in caliber with my legs where my were at my eyes. I've been looking for my testicles all day because of how uncomfortable the Coliseum seating is. You couldn't pay me to return to the Coliseum for any event unless I was getting a tug from Jessica Elba underneath my seat. (laughs) (laughs) Which would be nearly impossible because of how tight the seating is. Fuck you, Rams organization. Get that new stadium tomorrow and maybe you'll find me at a game. Oh, and Case Keenum is is worse than my high school quarterback. We want golf. We want golf. Thanks a million for the memories. Sincerely, Alex LJ. That was the that was the message of the day was we want guff and I have to say uh, uh, the the pros of the Coliseum is it is a beautiful place to actually watch a football game. It is a beautiful venue. The the scenery is great. There is not a bad seat in the house when it comes to viewing the actual field. The problem is though, it's not built for an NFL team. Oh, the fan experience blows. Fan experience blows. Alche is not lying. The seats are very very tight. Now I'm six foot one, two hundred pounds. I'm larger than your average bear, but I had no chance sitting comfortably for four hours in that game. Speaking of the game, it took me forever to actually get to my seat. Over forty five minutes from the line to the actual seat, which should not happen. There was over a hundred thousand people that that stadium can sit. I think. 84,000 was the number. There's parts of that stadium that are only about 20 feet wide, which is not a lot. You can't plan to fit 84,000 people when you're asking them to pass through it at 20 feet width. I was packed in like a sardine the whole time. The concessions were horrendous. Obviously, they're going to be overpriced or at a stadium. The beers were tiny, but I went and ordered a cheeseburger. They didn't have a cheeseburger for another 15 minutes. I made him give me one of the bacon burger specials, which had a pulled pork on it, and it was the size of a baseball, and I paid $15 for it. The fries were a McDonald's small that I paid $7 for. Like, it was insane. Mm. And also, the game itself. Listen, guys. uh, Was a tire fire? It was. uh, I was sitting there. There were four other games on. There were four games on during the afternoon slot of the NFL. And every single team during those games scored more points individually than these two teams put together. It was a boring fucking game that I had to sit through. And it did not make it any better that I was uncomfortable in my seats, had the sun on me the whole time. There was a fight in the stands, and there was a bigger fight above me where a guy got thrown down the stairs. It was insanity at times, and there was a lot of We Want Goff chants. But here's the thing. The reason why there was a We Want Goff chant the strongest during the end of the first half is because by the end of the second half, the stadium had checked out. The loudest the stadium got was when Carolina got the ball the second time, and they were on close to their goal line, and... The scoreboard said, you know, cheer for the defense. That was the loudest the stadium got all game. I was the angriest at the actual Rams fans because with 3.18 left in the fourth quarter, Carolina had just scored a field goal to make it 13-3, and L.A. is getting the ball back with two timeouts and the two-minute warning. Would you guys ever leave your stadium if Tom Brady, if Matt Stafford, if Aaron Rodgers was sitting there with three minutes left, down by 10, two timeouts and the two-minute warning? You no one, pay me to leave. No, no one would ever not. leave that stadium. This stadium was leaving in droves. 
I'm serious. Droves. Sections got up and left this stadium. And I could tell they were trying to beat the traffic out because trying to get out of that stadium is almost as bad as trying to get into it. But regardless, if you're going to leave your team with 318 left and a clear chance to win this game, you either don't deserve the team to be in your uh, city or the team doesn't deserve to be playing because they can't keep your attention when they're still having a chance to win the game. That's what I was most disappointed about was the actual fan treatment of the game. I will never go to the Coliseum again. I've done it once. Can say I did it. I will never, ever go to the Coliseum again because of how bad and how poor that experience was. When that new stadium's up and we finally can have a a state-of-the-art stadium that is comfortable to be at, then I will be at the next Rams game. But as Al Chase said in his email, you could not pay me unless Jessica Alba was there giving me a handy. You could not pay me to be in that stadium to watch that, that shitty shit team again. And where the fuck is Jared Goff? See, that's so, it's so, it's, it's, you know what? It's it's interesting. It's weird to hear you say that, but I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. I'm not either. surprised at all because I had I had a markedly different experience at the Coliseum. Yeah, you were in the fourth row. That well, and that's just it. The, the seats down there are not great, but I can't say that I sat there with my eyes at or knees at my eyes, wondering where my testicles were. Like I I was you know I had to stand up a few times for people to walk by, but it was not that bad. So if you're trying to get but, a, if you're trying to get a father and mother to bring their kids to that game paying $160 a ticket that's not that's a fun just experience it. if you for them. have to if you have to be and that's kind of what I was going to get to is that if you have to go through I went I went because of the goodness of a company who was and and some some you know uh, family of my girlfriend who was kind enough to invite me along that day but if you have to be in that situation to get to a Rams game and to actually even semi enjoy your experience because I agree with you on the overpriced beer, the crappy food, and the overall quality of the football that I watched because I had a similar experience. They were all poor, but that that the terrible watching the game fan experience is you're not going to get families to come out to that. Eventually, no. No, these not. crowds are going to die down from the combination of shitty fan experience and terrible football being played. And listen, every every sporting event is going to have overpriced concessions. I paid thirteen dollars for a burrito every time I'm at Gillette Stadium at the Patriots game. But the thing is, the burrito is the size of my forearm. And I'm watching a competent team play football. And Gillette's when, a very nice stadium to watch a football when game I'm getting When I'm getting a hamburger, no lie, the size of a baseball, and I'm paying $15 for it, and I don't get it for 15 minutes, and I'm watching Case Keenum fucking take the field, that's that's not the... That that movie ain't going to sell out at the box office. I'm well, sorry. It's not going to happen. Needless to say, I will not be going to the Coliseum this year. <laughs> you guys have you guys have sold it. Well, so let's move on then. You know, now that we've talked a little bit about sort of the experience part of it, then let's let's move on to sort of the meat of the game. And I think for a lot of people, that really was why isn't Jared Goff playing? We want and Goff, baby. We want Goff. I mean... Here's the thing. They were chanting the whole time, and there were a couple of players that actually realized At one point, they were, Tebow. At one point know, they were saying Tebow. At one point, they were saying Tebow. I mean, that's, that's, that's silly, ridiculous, but, but that's that's nonetheless I mean, Alec important. Ogletree has a quote here. It's not acceptable at all for the fans to be yelling when the offense is on the field. You'd like the fans to yell for when the defense is on the field. Why do you think the fans are yelling at the offense, guys? Because they suck. Because is there any hope in this offense? I don't think so. I mean, Case Keenum honestly did not have a terrible game. He missed a couple of throws, but he did not have a terrible game. Lance Kendricks dropped a surefire touchdown oh, in his that chest. Was, and that was the in game right there. That, yes. unfortunately, and I, I am, I almost never, and I don't even want to pin it on him because it's not just, it's never one player on a 53-man team. But when you have an opportunity, if you can, and I, I stick to the moniker that, or to, to, to the rule that if you, in the NFL, if you are a player and you can 
get your hands on the football, you should catch it. You're paid to. You're paid to do that. And Lance Kendricks, that was it was on his numbers. Case Keenum could not have thrown a more perfect ball to Lance Kendricks, and he dropped it. He, Keenum goes, but I mean, I mean, that's just it. It goes back to him. He's your signal caller. He's 27 of 46 yeah. for 296 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He's not that getting the job terrible. done. Todd Gurley runs for 48 that's, yards on 12 that's carries. It. That's six yards a carry. That's There's it. no running game. That's it right there. We can talk about the quarterback position, and whether it's Case or Goff, or whatever, but you have a premier Premier running back. I don't know. Back. You can call him that. Not, of course, you can't right now. But the point is, is that last year what he showed was was obviously. I mean, look at Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is is proving his complete pedigree. 180. Complete 180. But you can't tell me that Todd Gurley deserves to be rushing for. Call it 58, 57, and 48 yards, respectively, the last three games. Well, the thing about Gurley is, uh, the thing, the difference between Gurley and Gordon is they have a competent passing offense in San Diego, a passing offense that can score points on the board. But, but, you, can't start, the game, but, but, you, can't, but you can't get the passing game off the ground until you at least get you that You have going. to establish a running game to you get have a pass to get game that. going. So you, you, you're telling me that you're going to put Goff in there and you think Todd Gurley's going to do better? I think absolutely Todd Gurley would do better because Goff brings something that Case Keenum— I could not disagree Listen, with you more. I disagree Listen, with you wholeheartedly. I, I was at the game. I watched it firsthand Carolina had nine players in the box almost every play that Gurley was going to run you can't run against a nine player box it's why Adrian Peterson we've already been over that he's not facing a stacked box more than any other running back who is doing better than he is those stats are from week five that doesn't matter I doubt it's changed right now the game the Todd Gurley on first and second down faced nine players in the box almost every play and they were run blitzing him as well and blitzing the gaps as well if Jared Goff's in there he's going to have the ability to throw it more than 20 yards down the field successfully how do you know that because that's what he did in college that's what he was built for doesn't college. mean anything no, no, in the pros. Exa- exactly. We don't know what Goff is. We don't know if Goff is terrible or great. But I'm saying you if— You just said that he will do X if you put him in. He that is. That's what he's that built you know for. He's, he's not be great. Carson Wentz. He's not, the, he's not the ding and dunk quarterback. He is the long throw quarterback. So presuming he is a first-round pick and can actually connect on a long throw, that's going to give Gurley— Presuming. That's going to give Gurley more options to run the football. I'm not saying that Gurley in the offensive line is fully without blame. They but, have a huge blame, but— this starts and ends with Case Keenum and the ability to not make the defense. The defense but knows what they're doing. Sure, but Tony, how do, you, what to take how, how, do you how do you reconcile this? 20, 12 attempts by Todd Gurley. I saw Cunningham in the game more than I saw Gurley. Yeah. And he had better yes. plays. And he had he better made, plays. And he, he made quality. better He saved them on a fourth and loss. Yes, he did. Benny Cunningham caught a pass and turned it, ran across the field, turned it from what I thought when he caught it was a sure tackle and, and turnover on downs into a first down. That's what I'm looking at. I'm and, and I'm kind of wondering what the fuck's going on when your premier back is only getting 12 touches. So you're telling me that Todd Gurley has, has regressed so far in his game that he he only deserves 12 touches and I don't see that I don't understand the psychology behind that because what you're telling me is that you have no faith in your run game if you're only giving him 12 12 carries you don't have a scheme for him I mean he can catch the ball out of the backfield he was a great catcher yeah I mean you need to find ways to get he had four receptions plays. for 26 yards you can't tell me that there isn't a a, a better game plan to incorporate Gurley and, and then we can start talking about golf. Then we can start talking about Case Keenum. You're not even doing the basics well enough to give Case Keenum an opportunity to do anything with a passing game. I honestly think it's much akin to what is the problem with Green Bay. And the fact is, when you make your offense predictable, it becomes easy to defeat. When sure, but yeah, there is predictability. You're only giving Todd Gurley 12 touches. Oh, absolutely. But they, the, they're not feeding them more because they're well, on third and seven think, every time they have to touch I, I the ball. I think at its core— Because they're facing tw- uh, uh, nine-man boxes when they're trying to run the ball. But that wouldn't matter if it was golf. 
off. I think it will. At its core, the Rams' offense it in itself is predictable. Yes. Everything about the Rams' offense is predictable. Rob Boris has done nothing to, to, to confuse people this year because they have no huge weapons. They have no one who can take over the game. Todd Gurley was the only person on that offensive roster who could possibly do that, and he's not producing this year at all. Case Keenum has no pedigree as a quarterback, and he's absolutely not going to be you know producing on a long-term basis. They have no tools to surprise anyone, even if they do try to run trick plays or weird formations. That's I don't care thing. if they roll out Jim motherfucking Harbaugh's train formation. That's, They're that's still the not going to confuse there's offenses. No, there's no ingenuity in this team. We saw Cleveland play Dallas in the first drive. They had three offensive linemen where they were supposed to be, and then all the other offensive linemen were off with the wide receivers trying to trick Dallas and somehow beat Dallas. I don't see that ingenuity with the St. Louis, uh, St. Louis team. They are a St. Louis team. They haven't come to Nothing's L.A. Changed. yet because they're not Nothing's here. Changed. Nothing has changed. There's no ingenuity. They're not throwing those short screen passes to Tavon to try and get him open. Kenny Britt did nothing that game. Brian Quick had one play and one play only. Like, this is an offense that They're is not sputtering. Trying. And they they clearly outgained the Carolina Panthers on the ground and in the air. They beat Carolina in almost every facet of the game except for scoring the actual motherfucking points on the board. I don't know where the problem lies. I believe it's Goff. You guys believe it's that won't change. I'm a not thing. saying you don't put Goff in. But I'm, I'm saying you have to put you have to put you have to put the onus also on the on the lack of ingenuity and the lack of just basic uh, fundamentals of getting Todd Gurley the opportunities he deserves because he's a fucking Pro Bowl caliber running back. I, and I just don't, I just don't see how I just don't see how you justify saying that if Goff were quarterback, Gurley would would be producing more. It's, it's that just doesn't that there's a does chance not I'm not saying there's not a chance for that but you got it you got but you're not showing me enough I don't see enough. how changing it's a quarterback dom- dominoes, man. is I cannot see how changing it's a quarterback dominoes, is going to make you, he is an entity of himself. If your passing offense is more of a threat then your running game has more space to operate. It's that simple. Like you have to be able to threaten the defense you from both threaten facets the of the game. You threaten the defense passing until you establish the fact that you can run the ball. That's football one hundred and one, no, Tom. No, no, I, I disagree. I disagree. But, I think you, you, depending on where your strengths are, and his strength is Todd Gurley. It's the same thing with Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson did well because Adrian Peterson is a motherfucking gorilla. But Adrian Peterson's best years were when he had a passing offense that was actually working. That's when the holes opened up for him. Because he was there, because he was running the ball. That's, That's why they were so with, good with Jared Goff. And if you're going to put a nine-man box on Jared Goff, Jared Goff's going to throw it over the top. That's what he does. But a nine-man box on Jared Goff versus a nine-man box on Case Keenum doesn't change Change how effective Todd Gurley is at running the football. Because first play of the game, first down and ten, Jared Goff sees you have a nine-man box. Guess what he's audibling? Tavon Austin, Kenny Britt over the top. You think he has enough experience to see that at the line and audible out of it? He's terrible at blitzes. He's terrible. We're talking about if he's playing the game and if we trust him to be a number one overall pick. He's throwing the ball over the top, and guess what happens on second down? Guess what happens on the next first? down they don't put nine men in the box and then you start to run the ball it's it's the they they go hand in hand well i admire your faith in him i just i i i, I can't That's i can't thing. i don't give... know if i have faith in him because we haven't seen him play an nfl and, down and I, with anything you, i've would... learned it's that you do have faith in him everything you hope. just said shows me that you have faith in i him. have hope no you you have you have hope in the unknown you have hope in the unknown and i think we can all agree with that but the, the question is going to be where do we go from here the jets as we look ahead sort of to next week in the Jets, this could be interesting. Todd Bowles, uh, coach of the Jets, says has that he is going team. has lost his team as well. Todd Bowles says he's going to start uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Could, could potentially, depending on how things go for the rest of the week, see Bryce Petty. We saw a 
flashes of him this past week. He wasn't bad. Right. Um, so what do you do as the Rams if you're preparing for two different quarterbacks going into this game? Let's assume that they are, even if he said that Todd Bowles is, or I'm sorry, if Todd Bowles has said that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to start. I think they're two different quarterbacks with similar skill sets, so that doesn't change the way you plan for them too, too much. But I think if you're looking at this game for on paper, who has the best unit on this out of this game? Take oh. all the defense, the, the offense, Jets the special defense. teams. No, no, the Rams defense. No, this Jets they? defense is terrible this year. Sheldon Richardson and Muhammad Wilkinson are, are actively trying to leave the New York Jets. They're missing meetings. They're missing games. They were suspended for the first quarter this year. They're flat out not trying. Darrell Revis is a shell of himself. So the Rams do. They've given up. Yes, they've oh, given up they more long plays than anyone else in the NFL this year. New York Jets stink on defense this year. The Rams defense is the best unit coming into this game. And I think the Rams defense makes either Ryan Fitzpatrick or Bryce Petty's life a living hell. What happens this week? I'm with you. I think the defense is the difference maker in this game. In this game, The rushing attack for Carolina is much more of a threat Jets, than New Jets. York Jets. No, I know oh, that. Oh, oh. Uh, my point is, though, that that if you saw anything this week out of the defense, Jonathan of the Stewart's a better Jonathan player. Stewart's a better and player, and I Carolina think they capped, they stuck it up his fucking. I don't gut. know if I so, don't know if I agree with that, but regardless, regardless of all of that, I still think the Rams win this game. Okay, I think um, so too. I think the Let's defense so we're all, is just we're all on the same. I think the, the, the defense is just, just flat out. Touch I think we almost lit that team on fire, and we would have cut Jeff Fisher's throat if he was here today. We're picking the Rams to win. But because they're three and five, and they could fucking do something in this division because oh, yeah. I think Arizona's that bad and Seattle, you know, they is barely what it beat is. Buffalo. Can barely beat Buffalo. Yeah. So so that's why we're holding up high high regard is because again you've got the players you've got a running game you yeah, have a defense have how can you not win games yeah we're sitting there throwing our hands in the air we have no idea how this is happening I mean anything more to say about this it's almost killing me all right let's uh, uh let's move the fuck on I'm done talking <laughs> with the Rams this week all right let's get the injury report ram it. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, so this week we have a couple of big injuries to talk about. We've got Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz suffered an ankle injury after hauling in a 46-yard catch in the second quarter. Um, Legs made of balsa wood. Right? He's had some issues the last couple years, obviously. Everybody's been paying attention, but it was hard for me to watch that because I do like Victor Cruz, and I was happy to see him back in action, and then to see him go down, it's pretty hard. Next, we have the Jeremy Macklin injury out of Kansas City. Uh, came into the game nursing a groin injury, but yet left the game in the first quarter after aggravating the injury. And left out of the game. Yeah, Jeremy Macklin is the only wide receiver of note on that. Yeah, Kansas I was going to say, team. and who else is on that depth chart? I, could, I couldn't uh, tell you. I don't know a who kid cares. By the name of Tyree and you Kill. were undrafted. Which Tyree Kill like. is a speedster, but Jeremy Macklin's the only true wide receiver, and that's a tough loss for that Kansas City team that sits again at six and two in striking distance of a two seed. And another big loss was Ronald Leary, arguably the best guard in the game. No? Well, oh, the he's best offensive up line in the game, for yeah. sure. And but, absolutely a key cog on the Cowboys line. And he had a head injury, which we obviously know are, are difficult to uh, to come back from. Uh, Alex Smith and Spencer Ware should be back this week for Kansas City, though, talking about Jeremy Macklin again. But, I mean, more people that come back, the better. You know who's on out the Alex Smith uh, bandwagon right now is uh, good old uh, Deion Sanders. Really? Yeah, he's Neon he, Deion? He, he thinks he's an elite quarterback. Said it this week. I don't know. I think that. the better question is: Does anyone 
care what Deion Sanders thinks about anything anymore. Oh, I like Deion. I like Deion. I, I like Deion. <laughs> he just walked right into that one. We both love Deion. Dangle's throwing the fire today. I say this is a, apparently a former Cowboys fan. That's true. That's well, true. What's his, what's his segment on uh, NFL Network? 21 and uh, Prime? The, 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 oh, great God. segment. Great God. segment. 21 not, and Pointless? Go away. Oh, boy. You're just a hater. Anyway, that's the injury news for this week. Next, we got the schedule. Let's always remember to ram it. Ram it. All right, guys, here we are for our pick section for week 10. Again, we are the Left Coasters podcast, Tony Cavallo, Matt D'Angelo Antonio, and Brian Balzarini. And as always, we can be reached at theleftcoastspodcast at gmail.com. We have an Instagram page and a Facebook page under the same name. And we are here, guys, as we enter week 10. It's starting to get tough with these picks, man. These teams are starting to show themselves. Last week, Dangles, you went 6-7, and seven, one of the worst weeks on record, and are now back at 500 at 57 and 57. Great. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I didn't Thanks, have a, Jeff Fisher. I'm gonna get you Thanks, a jersey. Town. I didn't have a good week either, man. I went seven and six. I am now sixty-four and fifty on the year. Brian went ten and three, improved his lead wow. to sixty-eight and forty-six. Big week. That is an amazing season-long record. I got, I got some catching up to do, and uh, we all picked the Rams for the Rams-Jets game. Brian, take us away. What's going on Thursday night? All right, first off, Thursday, Browns at the Ravens. Yeah, Could this be the week? Do I have to watch this game? Uh, this is absolutely the week. This Whoa. is absolutely 100% the week. I've heard this one before. <laughs> oh, I'm so, so over this. Why, why is this the week? Because I don't believe in this Baltimore team. I think they play down to their competition in Cleveland. Love them or hate them, they really tried to beat Dallas. That first quarter against Dallas, they gave it all their might. And the thing is, Dallas is just a, a gigantic juggernaut of a team. They're yeah. going to beat you in every way possible. But Baltimore is not the same team. If Cleveland can keep that fighting spirit going, I think they hang on. And I think Cody Kessler is the best quarterback that Cleveland has had all season. And I think he they beat this Baltimore good. team. I think they do. Going with Cleveland. All right. Dangles. That's a bold pick. Uh I have I have a really no faith that the Browns can win this game. I'm going to pick the Baltimore Ravens. The defense is is not stellar, but it's good enough to keep the Browns out of the end zone. The offense is is just not good enough to me. And uh, I think there are some winnable games down the road for the Browns. I think they could beat the Bills. Uh, that's their uh, that's their third to last game. I think they could potentially beat the Bengals the week before they play the Bills. So I'm going to hold off on my Brown my second Browns pick because I picked them to beat the Titans a few weeks ago and that blew up in my face. And I'm going to pick the Ravens this week. Uh, you know, as a Detroit Lions fan, I'm waiting for somebody to take up that 0 16 record, and I, and I certainly am, am hopeful. Uh, moving throughout the season. That's why I'm going to pick the Ravens. They just beat the the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think they're going to turn around and lay an egg. This has been a topsy-turvy year, man. Yeah, I don't like the Ravens. I don't hate them that much, though. Uh, next, uh, Sunday games, we have Texans at the Jaguars. Ugh. You know, that's, though, that's, that's that, a disgusting that, game. That, that, that smells of many things. I mean, I'll just say I think the Texans win that game. Jacksonville is in shambles right now. Uh, Gus Bradley needs to go. Blake Bortles is blowing up in everybody's faces down there. He he's throwing. He's not just the Jaguars are playing actively bad football. Are they? He's playing. He's throwing. He's throwing ducks. 
I mean, the best I mean, thing they, they were, the best thing that the Jaguars did this past Sunday against against uh, Kansas City was make fun of Travis Kelsey when he threw his his towel as a flag, of the which week. was maybe one of my favorite moments of, of this but week as well. the thing is, Jacksonville was a, a, a really a missed fumble call in the end zone away from beating Kansas City. They didn't blow them out. That's 19, they also 17? fumbled a punt return. There yeah. was a, there was a num- another fumble uh, yeah, that I'm, happened I'm trying there. To, I'm they're trying to play. The, they're shooting themselves. I think Jacksonville lost that game as much as Kansas City won it. And so for that reason, I'm picking Houston. They're coming back off the bye. They're still leading yeah. that division. They'll they'll get themselves turned around. I, I just I don't think they can score on that defense the way they need to to win. Yeah, I'm trying to find a way to play devil's advocate and pick Jacksonville, but I just can't. As much as I hate Brock Osweiler, I think he beats Jacksonville. I'm going with that, too. I'm going to go with the Texans, too. God, I'm so I, deflating. Well, that in the bye week, I think that's also yeah. the other big thing. Um, next, we have the Broncos at the Saints. That's going to be a lot of points. Oh, man. Be a lot of points. Oh, man. Did the Broncos turn around? It also could be a lot of points for the Broncos and no points for the Saints because the Saints' defense is God-flipping Awful. Oh, I don't think they're they, they just stand a chance. They're but you, just you can bet Drew Brees is putting points up on that board. They are starting to figure that out. At I New love Orleans. I love Mike Thomas and a new young wide receiver who's emerging. And Brandon Cooks, I already think, is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, I still I still think that the Broncos pull this one out. I think I think the defense is just. And I know I feel like I say this every week. I probably said that about the Raiders last week, but um, you know. I just I think the Broncos are going to win. Simple as that. I'm really torn on this. I have to say I'm really, really torn because if New Orleans can do what Oakland did, and that is put more points on the board than Trevor Simeon is allowed to get. thing is, though, New Orleans just doesn't have a defense Zero that can defense. contend. And even if Aqib Tlaib misses another game, I think Denver's defense is is better than New Orleans is used to facing. So I'm going to—it's fucking hard, but I'm going to have to go with Denver, and I'm not happy about it. I'm going to go with Denver, too. I picked Seattle uh, to lose against the Saints a couple weeks back, and the you know, Saints came through. I just don't think the Broncos are that bad at defense um, to allow the, the Saints to score more points than them. So I'm going to go with the Broncos. Um, next, we have the Falcons. At the Eagles. That's going to be a fun game. That's going to be a fun, fun game. That is going to be a fun game. At the Link in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, I'll start this one off as well. Uh, Birds versus Birds. Let's go with the Atlanta Falcons. I think they win again. Matt Matt Ryan is just on his game right now. Even without Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman's running the ball very well. You can't cover Julio Jones. You just can't. They had a long week. And their defense is good enough to get them by. It's not great. It's not elite by any stretch of the imagination, but it's good enough. Falcons win. I think Philly's real good. Not going to lie to you. I think Philly's real good and will be contending for a wild card spot when we get to week 16, week 17, but Atlanta might be the best team in the NFC. Them and Dallas, I really think it's those two until the end. Team than them, but well, I mean, I think it's those game. two teams at the end, so I'm going with ATL. Uh, I am as well going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. So we're all the same except for my uh, Cleveland pick here. When are we going to start to differ, guys? Might be this week. Next, we have the Chiefs at the Panthers. Chiefs at the Panthers? At Panthers. Huh. That's an interesting interconference matchup. Kansas City. If they can pressure Cam Newton, uh, I think the Chiefs offense is if 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 because this past week I guarantee you if Case Keenum had been able to put points up on the board, that defensive effort was enough to keep the Panthers from winning that game. That's not on the Rams defense for losing that game this past week. And I think the Chiefs defense is solid just with Justin Houston back, Derek Johnson in the mix there. Um uh, you know, I I uh, one of my first ever NFL player in interview was Tom Bahali 
uh, middle linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs. One of my favorite, one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done. Such a nice guy and a, a consummate uh, defensive player. I think the Chiefs have the offensive capability that the Rams did not, and they will pressure Cam and make his life hard, and they win. You know what? It's weird because I'm hand in hand with Dangles this whole entire trip, and he's the one sitting at 500, and you're the one sitting at the guy I'm trying to catch. So, Dangles, I'm somehow with you again, Kansas City. <sighs> well, I'm not. <laughs> There's, I just can't go on a limb. I just can't go on a limb with the Panthers. Not that, for this game. Not for this game. Not for the. Not the way they played the Rams. I just don't. I just don't. I don't see it. We just don't see it. 13 points. And I'll take that loss. I'll take that loss if Kansas City loses. No, I think Kansas City wins. I'll take Kansas City. All right. Next, we have the Bears at the Buccaneers. Yikes. Hey, Jay Cutler played a really good game against Minnesota. Got to give him credit. Don't like the guy, but. And they had a week off to rest after that game. Tampa Bay played a really disheartening game against Atlanta. I think Tampa Bay. You know, it's an off. It's going to be a high scoring game. Take the over, guys. But I'm picking Chicago. And if Chicago does win. How interesting does that make their position in the NFC North? Not not they, they great, still suck. but you never know, man. Still suck. Right now, they're not pulling. Nobody's pulling their weight. Chicago division. wins this game. Yeah, despite giving my gravestone to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week, I am going to pick them to win this game. Uh, I think that they're a better team than the than the Chicago Bears. I think that Jay Cutler is probably going to come back and just do what he's done his entire career, which is throw interceptions. That's he's there's no one better, maybe save for Brett Favre, at throwing interceptions than than Jay Cutler. And, that was a low blow. And well, <laughs> all I'm saying nothing that's not true who is number one on the list of most interceptions thrown all time brett Favre. <laughs> ah, there we go a little <laughs> that, fun fact. there's no there's no there's no question about I'm it. i'm gonna go with the bears as well actually um i i think for all those same reasons you said it tony um i can see the bears. 28 points they the, the tampa bay buccaneers scored 28 points against the falcons i think against a lot of other teams the including the chicago bears that's enough to win sure but i you know, you got to pick. You get, this is game of parity, and I think the Bears have what it takes to beat the Buccaneers. Uh, next, we have the Vikings at the Redskins. Do they continue their slide? I Tony? think they do. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I don't believe in Kirk Cousins and this Washington team, but no. the fact of the matter is, they cannot protect Sam Bradford, and they cannot. They have no running game to speak of. Washington does have a decent defense and an offense with some playmakers. I think Washington makes enough points at makes enough plays at home to win this game. All right, the Redskins. Yeah, there are three guys who are rotating in and out of that backfield: Jarek McKinnon, Matt Asiata, and Ronnie Hillman. You, you're not going to win with any of those three guys as as your tailback, and their wide receiver situation is just not tenable. You can only go so far with your defense if your offense isn't producing. And Sam Bradford proved that he can. He proved last week that he cannot put the ball in the end zone when it matters. I am also. Uh, I'm also going to go with the Redskins. Yeah, the passing game is the weak link. We've we've actually watched all those running backs play well when they were winning. So I don't think it's the running backs. I think it's Sam Bradford unable to get the ball where it needs to be at this current moment in time. Well, so then, okay, so real briefly, then, not to take too much time on this, what sure. changed? Offensive tackles. What changed? Yep, the offensive the, 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 the offensive they lost line. both of the offensive tackles, and they lost a guard for two games. Like that's that's enough to spell. And if you're North Turner, you can't you can't scheme up enough. When you're stuff. not deep, no, but you can walk away. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. What a bitch for walking away. Like wait, I'm angry at North Turner, honestly. Like who the fuck abandon abandon his like, team? Walks yeah. away. Like I understand if you have health problems. I understand if you have other stuff that's sitting in. But if you're if you're just struggling and then you disagree with the head coach and it's not going your way, you fucking walk away. Fuck you, North Turner. I hope you don't get a job in the NFL. He's done. You He's debate. not. He's not coming back. He's going to go to California. And his son's his still wife. coaching on the team. Yeah, he's the quarterbacks coach. Like, what a fucking dick move by North Turner. 
Something must have happened. Who knows? I, I, you How know. How awkward are those meetings with the son? Super. Well, so why do you, th- you have you have dinner with Norv on Wednesday? Uh, like, fuck off, man. That, that, Why'd you, you put your son us? in an awful position? It's awkward as hell. But uh, I'm gonna go with the Redskins for that exact reason. There we go. Uh, next, we have the Packers at the Titans. Do they if continue we don't fucking to win this game? Say. If we don't fucking win this game, here, honestly, taking the fan out of it, this is one of the better rushing offenses against one of the better rushing defenses in Green Bay, and that's the that's the tale of the tape. If Demarco Murray has a hundred yards and two touchdowns, Green Bay somehow loses this game. But I think they can get to Mariota, and I'm gonna follow the faith and say Green Bay wins this game. Dangles, I'm I'm gonna agree with you, but I, I I think it's less on I think it's less on the defense and the run defense stopping Demarco Murray and more on Aaron Rodgers getting the ball in the end zone and putting points on the board. I think he really needs to to step up and be that guy. He can take over. He's one of the one of maybe a handful of players in this league who can single handedly step in and take over a game. There's a chance James Starks comes back. And if he's and if That's he's got even back, that, when James Starks team. has played, I've watched a surprising amount of James Starks for some reason. For whatever reason, and when I'm watching, he gets optioned in a lot. He is an incredibly talented running back. He is very good that. between the. He is very good between the tackles. He can that. make people miss. I know. Maybe maybe you don't like whatever. I like I like what I've seen out of the kid. If he comes back. I mean, I think that just bolsters my claim. The Packers are going to win this. I think the Packers are going to win, but I think what's interesting about this game is we've kind of talked to... Actually, we haven't said it on the air yet, but there's rumblings that it's very... it's very, it, There's a very good chance the Tennessee Titans take that division. I know. I think they, right I'm going to call it right now. I think they win that but division. But where do they start? Because they have to start somewhere. And if this and don't be surprised if you look at your ticker, you know, for those of you who may not see this game uh, live, don't be surprised on your ticker if you watch the Titans pull this one out. I'd be, you just know Left Coast is sitting at home would be ripping the hair out of my fucking head if the Titans win this game. I would mentally prepare yourself for that. Yeah. All right. Are, next, we do, are we doing the, the 1 o'clock games yet? Yes, yeah. we are. We're, okay. we're, we're moving to for, uh, forward. The games are juicy. Yep. That game, by the way, uh, two and a half points towards the Packers is the spread. It's not a good spread. It's unbelievable. Next How far we have the, are we falling? Next, we have the Dolphins at the Chargers. Well, we, we said we had some fun games. Actually, this ain't that bad. I was gonna say, no, this could potentially be a really good game. I think it goes to the Chargers if Melvin Gordon continues to run the ball the way that he has run the ball. He looks now, great. you have two, two incredible young running backs who have come out of nowhere. Backs and I'm going to go with the other one, Jay Ajayi, however you Where's say his from? name. Uh, uh, he is out Jamaica. of Boise State. Um, oh, I'm, shit. I'm going with Jay Ajayi, and I'm going with the Miami Dolphins, who are on, like, what, a four-game win streak? They're, they're fucking running nah, into Nah, they're not four. It's probably, like, three. Yeah, it's it's still. They've they've won more games in the past five weeks than they've lost, and that's because of the running game. I don't believe in San Diego. I'm going with Miami. Dangles. Oh, I thought I already. I'm, I'm going oh, I'm with, so sorry. I'm going with San Diego. To, I, I think if Melvin it. Gordon continues to run the way he's been running, uh, you know, he's gonna. He, they're going to win it. I think, I think I'm going to go with the Chargers, too. That's where we differ, Tony. Montana Hill, That's let's where go, we baby. Differ. If you, if my boy Tannehill pulls this out, your boy, you get won't out remember. Of here. No, I won't. yeah, you won't. Next, we have the 49ers at the Cardinals. What great games are you referring to? You could be referring to the next three games. Yes, I am. Okay. Uh, uh, Cardinals are falling apart, but coming off the bye, they're going to win this game. There's no bigger tire fire than the San Francisco 49ers. No, against a 1-7 and seven San Francisco uh, uh, team. Although, I, I do commend Chip Kelly for some... Uh, uh, Creative play calling this past week, where he instructed his his wide receivers, or uh, rather his defensive backs, to hold 
all three of the wide receivers on the team in order to to basically chew up some clock and like keep make them kick a field goal essentially. Look mm. look it up online. Right. I forget. Congratulations, Chip Kelly. I forget you're the exact reasoning behind it, but and it you're was still it was, one and seven, it was a, and you're gonna go one and fifteen. It was kind of a cute play call, but. Um, yeah, no, the Arizona Cardinals win take, this. Take, I think they pull themselves together take the off the bye week. Back to Oregon. Yep, Arizona all the way. Next we have Cowboys at the Steelers. This game's fun. No, it's not. You don't think this game's fun? Not the way the Cowboys are playing. I, I'm I'm picking Pittsburgh. Good for you. I'm absolutely picking Pittsburgh. Well, that's Listen, where we're gonna differ. Ben Roethlisberger came back too soon. He has a week off. He's able to adjust. Dallas played a hell of a game against Cleveland, but they were the shittiest team in the league. I think Pittsburgh matches up well, especially on offense, and I think. You can't have Big Ben have two bad games in a row. Dallas's defense is ripe for the picking, and I think Ben puts up more points than Dak Prescott can. I'm going with Pittsburgh. There is no more balanced team in the league right now than the Dallas Cowboys. That is fact. So I I just don't see the the let's let's keep in mind too the Pittsburgh Steelers looked like it looked awful the first half of that game they did not play well and it wasn't just Ben I think their defense is suspect very suspect right now and I don't see them having a a, a game plan where they can take one element out of that out of that offense and force the other thing the other team to do something we haven't had a game in dallas yet where the two stars of their teams look like rookies i think this is the game ah Daniels. well uh you know there's a reason uh i feel like that brian is leading in the pick segment and uh for a number of reasons not the least of which is the fact that he is leading in our picks i'm gonna go with dallas here oh don't put that on me oh well, no i'm not now putting it on you i said not the least of which no i i really do think i agree there's there is no more balanced team in the nfl than dallas right now next we have the seahawks now this is the sunday night game the seahawks at the patriots oh this is a good game you think Pete Carroll is looking forward to having to relive that play from the Super Bowl week Not at all. after or this entire week because you Not know Sports Center is just going to be showing that clip on repeat this is not a tough decision for me the Patriots win this game and I think pretty handily I think the Pats win this game the Seahawks are the biggest swag team in the NFL they have to have that confidence going in order to play well they have to be jazz they have to be jumping up and down flexing their muscles looking real tough this game's at Gillette too who's gonna be angrier than the fucking Seattle defense that knew they should have won that game in the Super Bowl. They knew they should have beaten those Patriots. So you're and telling then me Russell Seattle Wilson. comes into New England and beats New England in their own house. I do. And they beat that New England team in the regular season of the year of that Super Bowl. They're going to do it there again. There was one win that mattered in that season against the Seahawks. They're going to do it again. I'm going with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Is Gronkowski playing? Together. Yes. Is Julian Edelman playing? Yes. Okay. Hmm. Is. No one is missing from the Patriots roster. Okay, well then I'm I'm, I'm going to go except with the for Jamie Collins, who they traded away. I'm going to go with the Patriots. Let's stop pretending like this is a matchup when it really isn't there. I'm not saying it's not going to be a close game, but you you can't you cannot tell me Tom Brady isn't going to win at home. Hey, yeah, you got to take chances to come back in this uh, pick 'em battle, and I'm yeah, taking the chance. That's true. Okay, I'll I'll give you that. Next we have the uh, Monday night game: the Bengals at the Giants. I think this is a really interesting game. Woof. No, I think this is an interesting game because, again, look at the the implications of this game. You have the New York Giants potentially pulling ahead uh, in terms of the wild card position, right? Because you've got the Redskins playing this week. You have the Eagles playing a tough game this week. This is a big game for the, the Giants, and this is a huge game for the Cincinnati Bengals coming off a of bye week watching the Steelers just lay a fucking huge egg 
eggs the last couple weeks. That's and, true. And, and and now they're playing a, a good Cowboys team. Don't don't underestimate the, the fervor in these two locker rooms to try to pull away from other teams. And imagine if they see Cleveland beat Baltimore, the division leader, the Sunday before, sitting on Monday night waiting to play the Giants. Yeah, you'd like that, wouldn't you? Since, he, since he's ready to win this I game. wouldn't bet a dime on that <laughs> Yeah, no, no. But in the meantime, let's think about who, who, who we're picking here. Who, who are you going with? I've gone against the Giants all year, and I've been wrong in this 5-3 and three team all year. I'm picking the stupid Eli Manning. Speaking of uh, uh, stats, Eli Manning moved in the top nine in passing yards all time and is already up there with passing touchdowns. Eli Manning, certified Hall of Famer, is winning this game on Monday night. God. It's crazy uh, to think about. I'm continuing against Giants, not the for the 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 reason, uh, not the least of which is because I picked them as one of my gravestone teams. So I probably am just going to go for broke here. I think the Bengals win. Uh, Bengals win this coming off the bye week. They got to. They have to win this game. There's no choice. After tying in London and then going home and, and taking a week off, they must win this on a national stage. I am actually going to go with the New York Giants because it's a Meadowland game. That is the schedule this Not week. All of oh, and by the way, let's just give a little heads up. I know we didn't do it last week. Uh, my fault. But the bye week this week, Bills, Lions, Colts. And the Raiders. A lot of scoring on the bye this week. A lot mm-hmm. of high-octane offenses. I couldn't bye. be happier for the Lions to have this bye week. Perfect time. Perfect Perfect time. Time. Biggest win of the season. Heading into the bye. Fix the little stuff and come back and win this division. And get some players healthy. Get Darius Slay back. Yeah. Get, yeah. De- get Levy. Levy's back. Get Jonathan Banks two full weeks get of practice. Get Banks two weeks yeah. full of practice. Yeah. That's that's a that's a good sign for, a lot of for pieces my returning. Lines. A lot of pieces returning to that defense that are going to help them you, out. I'm telling you, Detroit wins that division. They're going to win. Listen, Coming from man, a Packers fan, that means a lot to we're looking at We're looking at the two most unpopular presidential candidates in the history <laughs> of the United... <laughs> talk about that. In the history of the United States and the Cubs won the World Series. If you're going to sit here and tell me it's not possible for the Detroit Lions to win the NFC North, I'm going to call you a liar. That's all we have for our Week 10 episode of the Left Coast's Podcast. Thank you for joining in. Again, Tony Cavallo, Matt D'Angelo, Antonio, Brian Balzarini, and we are here. Balzarini. God, man. I, I'm, I'm you get this every week on the last the time. It's always the end. I know. I'm, I'm halfway drunk right now. So here we are again. You can reach us at email at theleftcoastspodcast at gmail.com. We have an Instagram and a Facebook app with the same name. And again, as always, ram it, baby. Ram it. Ram it. Ram it. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.